Want to hear something amazing? Oh, and feel free to tell your friends too. So, Kohl's, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network grilling essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra 15% off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select styles 15% offer ends May 16th. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen, and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali, from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback. Janovich, hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fant. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fant takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And zone caught. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I have exercised the demons. This house is clear. Okay, and we are live. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle. It's powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime, who you all know, who you all love, Zach Kelberman. Zach, we only briefly touched on this in yesterday's Gut Reaction pod to the Pat Shermer, Rich Gingarello news, but it's actually pretty big piece of news as far as the coaching tree and Fangio's finally sprouting a little branch off of his. Yep. And that is that Brandon Staley, the outside linebackers coach took the job in LA replacing Wade Phillips as defensive coordinator. So the Broncos, Vic Fangio did not block his upward mobility. The Rams were interested in the Fangio defense. They liked the young reputation that, that Brandon Staley brought to the table. Fangio did not, impede or block it and he's gone so the broncos need to hire a new outside linebackers coach but how about that the fangio tree it's going on i was really surprised by the hire chat i mean i'm glad for brandon staley i'm glad that vic fangio has his own bush that'll grow into a tree right now but i mean this is a guy who under you know under his tutelage von miller had a career worst season or one of the worst seasons of his career so i'm surprised the rams replaced someone like wade phillips who's a venerable well-respected uh renowned coach with a young up-and-comer who is fairly unproven still. He was hanging on to, you know, Vic Fangio's coattails. He was with them in Chicago. I think he did some nice work with Malik Reed and, and Jerry Atachu. But other than that, we didn't see Chubb in his system. We saw Vaughn not have a great year. So I was a little surprised by that, Chubb. I, that was my first thought as well, if I'm being frank. And even to boot as it relates Bradley Chubb, yeah, he got injured in week four, only played four games for Brandon Staley, but he only registered one sack. Now, it's not all about sacks. We understand that. But the NFL is a production-based business. And the truth is, Brandon Staley's his, his position group produced like mad in Chicago for those two years he was with Fangio. 
in Denver, not so much. He literally has the distinction of being the position coach to preside over Von Miller's worst year as a pro. Yep. And even Von Miller, look, he he's far from being any kind of liability out there. He's still a great player, but just all the different moving parts of the new scheme, the personnel, the way it was, new position coach, all combined, the injuries they had as well, all combined for and conspired for Von Miller to not have a good year. So it was interesting to to see. I think it has it's got to have something to do, Zach, with, you know, you've got Sean McVay, young, you know, the last three years basically, except for this year. The previous two coaching cycles, it was all about finding that next Sean McVay and if you can get a guy off his coaching tree, even better. But he, because he's the young guy, he's the up and coming guy, he's the hottest, newest thing. And they kind of balance that with the old Mr. Wade Phillips, right, as defensive coordinator. And I think now he's trying to rebound to the exact opposite of that. Now he's going, well, that kind of flamed out under Wade. Now I want to go as young as I possibly can, enter Brandon Staley. Which is surprising, Chad. That's what the, the same point I was thinking. Usually a young, offensive-minded coach would want someone with experience on defense, and that's why Wade Phillips, who has more experience, experience than most of anyone in the NFL, was such a great hire. I'm surprised also in that fact. McVay's a young offensive coach, and he hired a defensive coordinator who has no experience at the NFL level at that position. So it's a young guy coaching another young guy and leaving a defense that he has really no involvement in Sean McVay into an unknown person's hands. So I hope it works out for Brandon Staley. Nice promotion for him but i'm kind of questioning that move on mcveigh's part we got guys like jam and gi james our friend jacob smith saying why, why are you guys going live during the nat during the natty right the national championship game because we're well, better th- there you go there it Pretty is for broncos fans i would we we assume the majority of the broncos fans they'd rather talk broncos football but we get it though we understand it's a big game it's the biggest college football game of the season our alternative was to skip the night but we don't do that we have a schedule. We set it up. If you can't hang with us live, it's all good. Come back and listen to the pod on download it somewhere on Apple Podcasts or whatever after the fact. But we got to stick to our schedule, and we do that for Broncos country. But, guys, we have a lot to get to today, and uh, we want to kind of sift through some of the aftermath of, of, of the Shermer hire and the Scangarello fire. Yesterday was the gut reaction, literally right off the cuff. You got our emotional response, basically, to what happened. Both Very of us much. have had a little bit more time to kind of soak it in, maybe do a little of our research, whatever it might be. And so now we're going to sift through the aftermath, talk specifically about how this hire affects Drew Locke. But first, you guys, just a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod on Twitter. That's just simply the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts. And if you like what Zach and I are doing, leave us a creative review and a five-star rating. Great organic way to help the show. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. 
Whether you're an athlete, a weekend warrior, or someone who deals with constant joint pain, back pain, muscle soreness, or arthritis, finding a natural remedy that instantly works might seem non-existent, not possible, impossible. Most over-the-counter pain relievers such as Icy Hot and Bengay only focus on one basic cooling effect which temporarily takes your mind off the pain until that pain returns in an hour or so. If you're looking to get rid of that nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution of CryoFreeze CBD, developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on is especially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is, this is 100% natural. CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application and relief lasts up to 8 hours, much longer than over-the-counter products. It's super easy to throw into your gym bag and take on the go for emergency pain relief. Simply roll it over where it hurts and ice out the pain with an arctic blast. Omax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This discount also applies toward any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code OVERTIME to take advantage of this incredible savings. That's O-M-A-X, health.com, and enter code OVERTIME to get 20% off cryo-freeze and site-wide. Let's welcome in those of you who are hanging out with us and guess what? You know, one of the cool things about watching sports is you don't necessarily need to be listening to the commentary. You can be engaging in this conversation with us live, have the game going, keep a peek on what's happening, the score, the plays. You can you can watch and listen and contribute. So we want to thank all of you who are with us, Noble Young, Buana B, Stu, Robert, Amaro, James, what's cooking? Each and every one of you, thank you for joining us. Zach, one day removed. From the breaking news, the tectonic, seismic shifting news that the Broncos, really odd timing, but it happened nonetheless, fired Rich Scangarello and are going with Pat Shermer. One day to soak it in, one day to marinate on it, work out your hormones. How you feeling? <laughs> I think I'm feeling mostly the same. I, I, I like certain aspects of what Shermer brings to the table, Chad. I like his quarterback development. I, I do like his experience in the game. But, you know, we talked about this off air. John Filippo just got canned today. If the Broncos would have waited, they could have had a young offensive mind with experience. Now, his con, what we talked about, he doesn't have tenure anywhere. He goes from team to team to team. Shermer at least has skin in the game. So I'm, I'm, I don't like the move. I don't like the firing more so than the hiring of, of Shermer, but I'm willing to give it a chance. I'm willing to explore what he brings to the table. What I do not like, though, is it effectively means the end of Andy, Andy Genovich. He doesn't use a fullback, Chad. He uses a one running back system. So a lot more Philip Lindsay, but a lot of people like Janovich, and you're not going to see much of them, I think, under Shermer. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, the Broncos just barely paid Janovich as well. And I'm sure they'll find ways to work him into this thing. But the majority of, of that value you're going to get back on the contract, assuming you hold on to Janovich, is going to be on special teams. And he is a really good special yep. teams contributor, as we know from Brock Olivo's time here. The whole 22 Janos quote that will go down in infamy. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a questionable thing. And, and Amaro, 1983, jumps in, $5 donation on Super Thank Chat. You. Appreciate you, brother. He says, Zach, after a good night's sleep, you're on the Shermer side now, right? Haha, <laughs> <laughs> keep up the good work, gentlemen. Hashtag Appreciate Orange Crush. You know, like I said, Zach's 
Zach's whole thing, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that you wanted a more uh, you wanted the Broncos to kind of go more toward youth, right? And Scangarello was a step in that direction. It was taking right. a step closer to the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, more of the cutting edge of what's happening with the NFL. And literally, just from an age, you're maybe you're an ageist, right? You're from an age perspective, fifty four year old retread who's failed twice as a head coach who's been modestly successful as an offensive coordinator was very much in demand i mean the broncos had to had to uh, compete with the chicago bears and the minnesota vikings to to get his services but he's a retread you wanted you were hoping if they were going to fire someone and uh, fire a guy and hire someone new that was going to be more of a fresh face cutting edge guy younger guy that can grow into the job however that's basically the reason big fangio ended up firing Rich Gangarello is he wanted something. He wanted a guy with more experience, a guy that was more, you know, had, had, uh, had more time on task, right. Calling plays, game planning, et cetera. You're absolutely right. It's something we talked about yesterday. I am just personally, and this is my opinion. I'm sure I'm in the minority here, but it, I don't like retreads, Chad, and I'm scared of the of the Mike McCoys. That's what I get flashbacks, PTSD moments of the Broncos. And like I said, I I, I dislike the firing of Scangarello more than I more than I dislike the hiring of Pat Shermer. To me, it was just very knee jerk, Chad, to give up on a first year coordinator, and you're pretty much laying the blame of the entire offense on one guy when it really was not all one guy. Like it wasn't just the quarterback. It wasn't just the offensive line. It was a collective disaster at times that led to where the Broncos were on offense. It wasn't just one guy calling plays or one guy, whatever. That's why I led to believe it's a little more personal between Fangio and Scangarello. I just thought it was extremely knee jerk and impulsive on Elway's part and Fangio's part to dump a young up and coming guy who you just plucked from the Kyle Shanahan tree, partly because you feel bad for not hiring Shanahan to begin with and cut him after one season. I just don't know about that, but I'm willing to give Shermer uh, a chance to show what he's got. I understand what the Broncos want to see, and it all comes down to Drew Locke for me. If he can develop ahead of schedule, Shermer's the man. We're going to talk specifically about what this means for Drew Locke here in just a minute. I want to put a pin on that just for a second. Here's a here's basically what I've been told. Here's a good way to kind of imagine how this whole thought process came down for Vic Fangio, and this was very much – I mean, Elway had to rubber stamp it. But this was very much a Vic Fangio decision to fire Scangarello and go after Shermer. As you guys can remember, at the end of season press conference on December 30th, I think it was, Fangio said, no, I don't foresee any changes coming to my coaching staff unless, you know, they're they're courted by outside teams. And you saw just like with Brandon Staley, that did happen and Fangio let him go. But he also said, along with Elway, that one thing they were going to do that was different than years past is they were going to instead of going right into the evaluation mode of grading the players and the job the coaches did, they were going to back off for a couple weeks and then come back and kind of approach it with fresh eyes. Well, I think there's good reason to believe that that's exactly what Fangio did. And when he came back and examined the job that Scangarello did through 16 games, he, he had some critiques and he probably brought in Rich Scangarello and he said, Rich, Here's what I see kind of being a problem here and why it didn't work out perhaps exactly the the way we both wanted last year in your first year. And here's kind of some of the changes that I think need to be made as head coach and da 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 You know, can you get behind that? Scangarello may be saying, you know, I, I think, you know, my philosophies are rooted in where they're rooted. I, I don't think I need to change X, Y, or Z, you know, and maybe they come at an impasse, which coincides with, of course, some more experienced offensive guys hitting the market, 
including Pat Shermer, including uh, Jason Garrett, including all the guys we talked about yesterday. And so after some deliberation, Fangio's like, look, if, if he's not going to change, if he's not going to do it the way I want him to do it, I can't babysit that side of the ball. I got bigger fish to fry. I'm going to go grab someone who I can trust to, to do things the way I want. Boom, fired. I wouldn't be surprised. There's a little birdie floating around talking in my ear earlier today. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that, that's how it shook out. I wouldn't be surprised either. I just want to kind of defend my position here. I want to address this. Uh, David says that Zach called Scangarello incompetent, wanted him fired, lest we forget. I did criticize Scangarello. I was the first one out there in front of it to talk about his play calling and talk about his going into a shell and being conservative. I never called for his firing. I never said he was going to be fired. I was actually really surprised that he was fired. Chad, we did a pod about that, multiple yeah. pods, and we predicted the coordinator changes. We both said, this guy is safe. This guy is not going to be fired after only one season. So I don't really know what... What transpired between the end of the year and now? I mean, Fangio, it might, he might have been rubbed the wrong way from Scangarello from the beginning, but it seemed like since the end of the season, they really had a very sudden change of heart and something dawned on them that we can't go through another season with this guy. We have to dump a first-year coordinator with a r- rookie quarterback tied to him to go in place of a retread coach who just got fired from his second team. Yeah, we we were at times highly critical of Scangarello. I think you kind of took the position of being a little bit harder on Skangs, and I took the position early on of being probably a little bit harder on Flacco. They both were complicit in the Broncos getting out to a 2-6 and six start. Yep. Flacco ended up, from a metrics perspective, during his eight-game starter uh, starting tenure as a, as a Bronco, as being literally the least aggressive quarterback in terms of pushing the ball down the field in the NFL – and it was slightly antithetical to to his resume. He he's never been a big um, you know Star Wars numbers quarterback, but he's been a guy. I mean, Broncos fans can think of some of the vertical plays he's made at their expense over the years, right? Thinking back even to the 2012 playoffs, it was unusual to see him be to kind of play so scared. And while I don't want to take any of the ownership of Flacco's play off of his plate. I think there's there's an argument to be made based on what we're reading between the lines and what we're hearing from Fangio that that a lot of that had to do with the philosophy that was trickling downhill from his offensive coordinator. The biggest thing for Fangio, and, and there was a lot of little details, but the biggest thing was the lack of aggression, the lack of killer instinct, the lack yep. of pushing the envelope, challenging teams vertically. The Broncos were one of the least in terms of explosive plays and an explosive play is qualified by 20 yards or more downfield. Broncos were in the bottom third in that category, and Fangio, he tried to turn that ship midseason. But in in defense of Scangarello, Zach, he was juggling a lot of balls. That's my point. The fact that he went from a busted and broken down, clearly past his prime, pull the plug Joe Flacco, to a Brandon Allen who had to make his first career start, to a a Drew Locke who also had to make his – so he had a lot of different plates that he was spinning and so in that way, I can sympathize somewhat with Scangarello not being able to, you know, call the perfect season or, you know, that probably in the real sense of the word, I'm using the real sense of the word, retarded his development as a first time coordinator and play caller. Who knows what would have happened if he would have had a full 16 games with a Drew Locke would probably would have ended up seeing something a little bit more similar to that final five games than the entire body of work that he had in 2019. But either way, Fangio wants a guy who can be more aggressive, push the ball downfield, be a little bit more creative, probably a lot more creative, actually, and more balanced. And if you can remember, Zach, when Vic Fangio was first hired, he talked about balance. And he said, most people, when you hear the word balance in football, you think run to pass ratio. 
but he broke it down into a few different levels of analysis, what it means to be a balanced offense. And that's something I think that escaped Scangarello when it all came out in the wash. Listen, I'm not exonerating Scangarello. He had a lot of faults last year, especially in the first half of the season. He looked like a scared rabbit under a headset coordinating this offense. But the thing is with him, how could you lay the blame completely on him when, like you mentioned, the quarterbacks, how about the offensive line? Having Garrett Bowles, having Leary be out, having uh, Juwan James missing. Then you have, what, one good wide receiver. You have a rookie tight end. You don't have a wide receiver, too. You have a, a good running back and a decent backup. He wasn't given the best deck of cards, Chad, to work with. And then you talk about Vic Fangio, what he wanted. He wanted a ground-and-pound approach. He wanted a run-first, defensive-oriented team, a lot like the Bears were under his under his watch. And then he turns around and says, I want Skangarello to be aggressive. How could you do that when he's starting three different quarterbacks, and they're, and they're not even good quarterbacks except for Locke? They're Flacco, Brandon Allen, and then you have a raw rookie in Drew Locke. So what could you really expect from the guy? And then I, I look at it like he's getting on him for not being aggressive, but as the head coach, Fangio has autonomy to get in there, step in and say, do this this way, do this that way. To me, it was just scapegoating, Chad. I don't understand why he took that approach and kind of laid it all on the line on Scangarello and pushed him on top of the sword. I really do think a lot of it just simply has, it comes down to Fangio wants to be able to, it's kind of like in fantasy football, you want to have the type of lineup where you just set it and forget it and let the chips fall. Fangio wants to be able to set that offense up it's all yours and forget it and go manage what he has to manage defensively. And for whatever reason, I mean, we can, we can talk all around this thing, all the different angles, but the bottom line, if we really boil it down for whatever reason, Fangio didn't feel like he could do that with Rich Scangarello in 2020. He wants a guy that is basically a head coach of the offense. And that's Pat Shermer. That's where Pat Shermer comes into play. It would have been similar with had it been Gary Kubiak. Makes you wonder how that whole Kubiak thing ended up unfolding and de- and devolving the way it did, and where he ended up defecting and leaving and going to Minnesota. Because clearly, that's what Fangio wanted was a more experienced coordinator. Scangarello was an Elway deal, kind of foisted upon Fangio, and maybe this is part of his thing too. Is that wasn't his guy? He never quite was one hundred percent on a level with John Elway as it related to Scangarello, and you know this is him kind of flexing a little bit, and and Elway's giving him the rope to do it. Like, look. You know, you're going to be you're going to live and die on your record and your results. And if you're going to live and die on your record and your results, you might as well have your guys, whether you you know go down with the ship or sail perfectly in, into a beautiful sunset. Get your guy. Jason, by the way, jumps in five dollar donation. He says, refresh my memory. Does Shermer run a West Coast offense? Jason, the best way to kind of understand his offense is. And remember, this is something Zach talked about yesterday as well. Shermer originally springs from the Andy Reid coaching tree, the quarterback's coach, tight end's coach uh, in Philly in late 90s, early 2000s. But he has since also crossed paths with a lot of different coaches, including Chip Kelly. And the best way to look at it is he runs a West Coast offense, okay? And, the, and so the verbiage and a lot of the philosophy, core, core principles are West Coast offense, but he uses more spread personnel and and spread passing concepts so even though it's west coast offense it's not 12 personnel where you're bringing in two tight ends or 22 personnel where you're bringing in two backs and two tight ends and condensing the formation and then trying to win with matchups uh outside and you know create spacing that way he's trying to spread them out with three wide receiver sets and still use some of those same west coast principles it's actually similar to well, I mean, if you think back to what he did in uh, – if you guys can remember the Case Keenum offense in, in Minnesota, that's basically what what you're going to be looking at here with a more explosive and capable and dynamic 
quarterback. So just look at it like West Coast base with spread personnel. That's the best way to boil it down. And the thing is, it's a lot like what they ran with Keenum under Bill Musgrave. It's a lot of three wide receiver sets. And how often, Chad, would they be in third and short situations where they run three wide receivers and we just ended up just being so angry about that? I hope Shermer at least has better feel for play calling than Musgrave did, obviously, than Scangarello did. Uh, but a lot of quick hitters over the middle. He liked to utilize a lot of receivers. They had Benny Fowler, Cody Latimer, a couple of Broncos cast-offs there. Obviously, Saquon Barkley, they signed Golden Tate. They had some talent on the Giants, uh, but he's a very, I would say, a balanced play caller Overall, he doesn't really run more than pass. Like he, you know, he leaned on Saquon a lot. But like Chad said, a lot of three wide receiver sets, not a lot of fullbacks. That's why I'm saying if you're a big Jano fan, special teams where he's going to reside a lot in 2020. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with True Fuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. True Fuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance, and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And True Fuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with True Fuel. Available at your local home and garden center today. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. (laughs) You love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. And it's even, it's something to kind of keep an eye on concern-wise is that he doesn't use a lot of tight end stuff in his passing game. Now, that's no reason to completely give up hope or think that Noah Fant's going to necessarily be neglected. But it's something to keep in mind. Like Evan Ingram, everyone thinks about that huge rookie season that he had, and he did. And he produced pr- quite well for the Giants. But it kind of devolved, trending downhill over time with Pat Shermer as the play caller. He likes to utilize more of the wide receivers, and he likes to challenge the th- things vertically. He uses a lot of slants. He uses a lot of spacing concepts to create uh, space and, and um, separation. So, we'll, uh, you know, as we get a little bit deeper into the season, there will be – the offseason, I should say, there will be a lot more time and opportunity for us to kind of get into his offense even more. Brian jumps in with a $5 donation. Appreciate you, bro. bro. He says, do you think this changes the outcome for the 2020 season, better or worse? This was something I wrote about today in a column on how the – and this might as well be the time where we unveil this. And also, by the way, Stu jumping in, Super Chat, Super Stud with a $25 donation. Thank you. On Super Chat, we love you, bro. This column that I had on how the, the the Pat Shermer hire, what it means, how it affects Drew Locke. And, you know, my basic takeaway, honestly, is that who do you trust? Now, I'm not talking about John Elway here, right? Because we're going on the fifth coordinator in as many years for the Denver Broncos. And you can, for the most part, lay that at the feet of John Elway. However, this was a Vic Fangio decision. That we know, okay? And it comes down to how much do you trust Fangio. Now, going off a seven and nine start, you know, it's not the, he's not blowing the doors down, but from a competency and from a football acumen and knowing, basically trusting that he knows what he's doing, knows what he's talking about. Fangio clearly believed that going with Shermer over Scangarello better uh, positions Drew Locke for 2020. And the simplest way is it plays a lot more to Drew Locke's strengths from a strengths perspective. Now, this isn't something that uh, I like to normally do here, but let me just quote from this article uh, that I wrote here. All right, so 
What did Drew Locke do in, in college? He was just like the vast majority of all college quarterbacks, Zach, playing from the shotgun. Well, one yep. of the big obstacles for him making the jump to the pros, aside from learning all the you know, uh, dense verbiage of the West Coast offense playbook and getting the play calls down and all that, is he had to learn how to not only read the field from under center, but also the technical footwork of the drop back. And then, you know, the, the motion and the, 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 what it takes physically to get it down so that it's, it's second nature, that drop back, hit the back foot, try and unload. All that stuff was all part of the learning curve for Drew Locke. And it turned it into a thinking process as opposed to reacting, just going out and doing what I do, playing fast, playing confident. With Pat Shermer, his offenses over the last couple of years, I think last year, what I read in 2019, the Giants were in the shotgun about 74% of the time. What does that mean for Drew Locke? Well, it's taken him back to his comfort zone. And I don't think that's a bad thing in terms of, you know, it's not that they're going to completely abandon the under center, Zach, but I think it's good for him to go back for the shotgun where he spent the majority of his quarterback career. It helps him in terms of seeing the field and trusting what he sees from the shotgun pre-snap. And then, of course, a vertical passing game, Zach, that favors a guy like Drew Locke who fancies himself with you know the gunslinger mentality and that big arm. So I think with that, with a change to Shermer, what Fangio's telegraphing is that he does believe it gives the Broncos a better chance to maximize Drew Locke. And hopefully, you know, it's going to take a slight step backward for him to learn the system, but it's so that he can take a quantum leap forward in 2020. Whether it works out that way remains to be seen. I'm optimistic, though, just based on the type of results. Shermer's gotten from quarterbacks he's worked with in the past. I mean, yeah, history is definitely on his side there. And the Broncos, I'll give him credit, they were wise to target Shermer for that reason because he uses a lot of shotgun and Locke is most comfortable there. He proved he can play under center too with the Broncos last year, Chad, but under center is his wheelhouse. So uh, that should benefit him uh, specifically, his 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 arm and the play calling down the field. I think Shermer will be good in that regard, but the Broncos want to see, I guess, more consistency in the first and second half. They want to see a 16-minute cons- game plan. It doesn't deviate, doesn't go into a shell, steps on opponents' throats, and and is really aggressive. I think Shermer has demonstrated he can be that type of coordinator, but how he meshes with Locke, it it remains to be seen. We don't know whether he's going to be good or bad yet. It's all guessing at this point. It's all conjecture. But I think if he can just mold his strengths to Locke and not make Locke mold his strengths to the system, that'll be a good marriage. Right. I mean, the key is you want the athlete and the talent that is Drew Locke to just get out there on the field and be himself, play fast, play loose, play confident, and doing so out of the shotgun and around a scheme, as you said, that's that's designed to play to his strengths. I think it's more up Shermer's alley to figure out a way to maximize Locke than Scangarello, who was kind of going off marching orders from Elway, which is this is the scheme that we believe in. Let's fit Drew Locke to this under center thing, similar to what they tried to do with Paxton Lynch, only Drew Locke actually had what it took between the years to try and have the discipline to learn it and apply it and become proficient. It wasn't perfect, but I think he attacked that particular obstacle as a rookie with a plum. It came out in the wash. I mean, again, not perfect was his footwork dropping back from under center, and he wasn't perfect in reading the field pre-snap, but four and one speaks for itself in terms of how it came out in the wash. Terry says, by the way, uh, with a $5 donation, appreciate <laughs> you, Terry. Hey, guys, can you please stop answering my questions while I'm typing? LOL. Awesome, as always. We appreciate you. you, Terry. Let's jump down here to our friend. I believe it was Black Knight. Let me find him. Yep, there he is. Jumps in, $5 donation. Thanks, brother. He says, I went and read Eric Trickle's article about our new offensive coordinator, and it made me wonder this. 
Do you think we target wide receiver in free agency and offensive needs in the draft? So I think you're saying as a, as opposed to going for Henry Ruggs at pick 15 or, you know, LaVisca Chenault at 15, you get that wide receiver in free agency, but you still fill offensive needs in the draft. I think that's what you're saying, Black Knight. Zach, your take. I think, you know, regardless, they were going to prioritize the offense this offseason, Chad. But I think the hiring of Shermer indicates to me, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but they, they're really going to put an onus on the offense this year. I would not want the Broncos, though, to find their wide receiver, too, on the open market. I want them to draft that guy, whether it's Ruggs, whether it's uh, Chenault, whether it's, you know, Rager. I just want a capable young wide receiver in this offense who can take the top off for Drew Locke. If they can pair that with the talent they have already with Lindsey, Fant, Sutton, this will be a dynamic offense. But I think a majority of their needs, regardless of the coordinator, were going to come through the draft. Elway's hit on two in a row now. I think he's feeling himself more. I think he knows the way to build is from within. That was always a plan to me, John. Josh says, is it concerning that the hire hasn't been made <clears throat> official yet? What's the holdup? I'm just curious. The holdup is any negotiating points in what he wants from a money perspective overall, how the money is paid out overall. I mean, these things are sticking points that have to be ironed out. It takes a little time, but he's agreed to it in principle. So the, the deal is there. It's just a matter of hammering out the details, and it usually does take a little bit of time. But as of 6.42 on Monday evening, I still have not received a press release from the Broncos announcing the hire. So it's still technically in the wind, which is why it said agreed in principle, nothing official yet. It hasn't been made official yet. We don't want to count these chickens necessarily before they've hatched, Zach. But it would be usually, I mean, the last time I could I can think of off the top of my head, of a coach agreeing to a deal in principle with the team and then backing out and doing something else was Josh McDaniels with the Colts last year. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. They're not going to get left left at the altar, Chad, the Broncos. I mean, this deal is going to get done. Like you said, they're all formalities. It's all sticking points right now. You know, the uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Once that's done, it'll be official. And I'd be surprised if they didn't have a press conference as well, Chad, to welcome them to the, the public. Yes. And even if you don't bring in, I mean, he's a former head coach. You should put him in front of the media because it's going to give the fans, uh, you know, some some assurance, assuage some concerns about the turnover at offensive coordinator. A guy like him, you want to put in front of the media. Yeah. They might not. They might want to kind of keep that under their under their vest and just put Fangio out there to talk about it. We'll see. Chase says, uh, with a $2 donation, thanks, Thank Chase. Do you think Jano will be significantly used less? We touched on this earlier in the conversation. The short answer, Chase, is almost certainly yes, he will be used less. Dylan Buck Elk jumps in, $5 donation. You, he says, are you guys buying into Elway season for 2020, or is the team still a few years away from another big run, referring to Vaughn's comments on Elway? I'm not sure exactly what that means. If I'm, I might have missed something, Elway season. But in regards to 2020 being the year, 2020 is, I think, the year where the Broncos take a, a step forward to where in that final stretch like this year, <clears throat> by the time you got Drew Locke on the field those final five games, you were already out of it. And winning four out of your final five games did nothing in terms of helping you in the playoffs. I expect the Broncos to start a little hotter next year, a significantly easier schedule with a better quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, different pieces they're going to acquire during the offseason. I expect the Broncos to have a little bit stronger start when by a little bit stronger, I'm saying not 0-4 and not 2-6 and to start this thing, which will set them up to where they're competing down the stretch for a wild card spot. I still don't think, Zach, we'll see how the offseason shakes out. 
they're still a couple of off seasons, I think, away from truly being able to challenge the Chiefs. And they need to they need Drew Locke to turn the corner a la Lamar Jackson, a la Deshaun Watson, a la Patrick Mahomes in year two, in order for that to even be a feasible conversation. The early returns are optimistic in terms of, you know, it being a harbinger, but we need to see it come out in the wash. Yeah, in terms of this being Elway season as well, this is the time of year he lives for, Chad. You know, free agency is going to open up in a, in a few months or so. Then you have the draft. This is where he he starts wheeling and dealing and rebuilding the team and reloading and not rebuilding. So uh, I would expect Elway to be very active this offseason, a lot of holes to fill, a lot of moves to make, a lot of contracts expiring. This is Elway season. It's going to be fun, Chad. It's going to be a wild ride. We're going to cover every step of the way here. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Now serving. B24 at DMV window number seven. Okay, Jim, we're next in line. Perfect, Jim. Things are going very smoothly. You remembered the cell phone bill? Yes, and the birth certificate. Nice. We'll have a real ID in no time. That's right. Ready to fly to Carla's graduation and then the big game. Real great work, Jim. You too, Jim. Excuse me, are you talking to yourself? Now serving B25 at window number 10. That's our cue, Jim. Excuse us. Talk yourself into real ID readiness. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash real ID. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. (laughs) You love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Brian jumps in. We got time for one or two more, and then you guys, it's national championship game all night long for you. Brian Greenfield, $5 donation, says, guess it's, guess it's, do you believe in Fangio? Yeah, I guess it's, do you believe in Fangio, Skangs, or Elway? more and that's part that you know you can boil it down to that i'm a little bit at this stage from a coaching perspective especially on the offensive side zach i'm always going to be a little bit more skeptical on any move elway makes just because outside of gary kubiak outside of adam gase the last four years just about every offensive coaching decision elway has been the impetus for has not worked out so let's see if, if a different tact can get a different result a different perspective it being Fangio making this decision can bring in a different result I mean like you said you laid out the point perfectly I don't really believe in a hundred percent I don't he doesn't have a hundred percent of my trust Elway and neither does Vic Fangio this is a guy's coming off his first year as a head coach and it was a very rocky road to get to the, the record they finished with so they're all complicit in this Chad Scangarello was Vic Fangio was and Elway was so we just have to roll with it and just uh hope that the collective brain trust between Elway and Fangio made the right call here Harry jumps in, $5 donation Thank on you, Super Harry. Chat. Thank you, Harry. How do you see Shermer utilizing Andrew Beck if he doesn't incorporate fullbacks much or tight ends? Is Beck done for, or will he get a chance at tight end? The Broncos are still going to have to roster tight ends. Don't get us right. wrong. I mean, they're going to still carry at least three tight ends on this roster next year. It's just a question of usage. Beyond Noah Fant, if your name is not Noah Fant, you're probably not going <laughs> to have much of an involvement in, in Shermer's offense. That's, that's just the way it's probably going to be. Yeah, it's not like they're going to have no catches, Chad, between the group this year. They're going to still use their tight ends, but just a lot less. And like you know, like Chad said, if, if Noah Fan is definitely the only one that can escape with some production this year, but the Fumagallis and the Jake Butts and the Austin Forts and the Becks, they're going to be wanting in this system for sure. Christy jumps in with a $5 donation Thank on you. Super Chat. We love you. Thanks, Christy, one of our superstars on Super Chat. It means a ton. One or two more here, and then we will hop on off. Mark says... They the way Zach went off last night, he's de- he's definitely Perna, and it's 
Definitely an adjective. Definitely an adjective. And Chad <laughs> is nothing but gangsta. <laughs> Hashtag Chad and Zach, my boys, Orange Crush. We've been called worse, Chad. With the $5 donation mark, that, that means a lot. So You know, you, the gut reaction, Zach, it's all about the gut reaction. It's instant analysis, yeah. instant reaction. And we always look forward to those gut reactions. But I think the more measured take that comes the next day in the aftermath pod, you know, whether it's the day after a game, day after big news, big signing, big firing, whatever it might be, is a little bit more in line with our how we really feel at the end of the day. I mean, like anything else, it's just on emotion at that point, Chad. I mean, you asked me to react to something you as well right after it happens, and you just get the, the pure from the gut feelings about that. I'm not going to back down. I say what I say from the heart, and I mean what I say. I don't just uh, I don't just spitball. I don't blow smoke. That's how I felt at that point in time. And you know what? I'm willing to give Shermer the opportunity. I'm willing to say I was wrong on this hire, like I was wrong about Scangarello's firing, because right now I have my reservations. Last one, guys, and then we got to wish you a good evening. Let you get back to the championship game. Nick says, are there any new updates on Chris Harris? I'm scared if he leaves that we've created a new hole that wasn't there or isn't there now. The latest on Chris Harris, we have an article up at milehighhuddle.com if you want to go read it for a little bit more in-depth analysis on the topic. He appeared on the Rich Eisen show last week and was quite candid. I shouldn't say quite candid. He he was his typical um, – his typical self, he's, you know, he's boisterous and very confident and uh, cocky at times. But he said that the newsworthy aspects of his conversation with Rich Eisen is that everything's cool with him and Elway. He says, Elway's my dog. That 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 uh, they talked quite a bit throughout the entire 2019 calendar year. That Elway, when he initially held out because the, he saw the Broncos throwing money at two corners, Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan. Of course, Kareem ended up being moved to safety. But when he saw that, basically – he was like, well, where do I stand with the team? Because I'm in a contract year. Thus, he held out. And then Elway, they started talking. Elway helped him understand why the team hasn't rolled out the red carpet for him. And at least he understands it now, according to him. And the last thing, Zach, actually two things he said, is that the Broncos, a return to Denver is still very much a possibility, according to Chris Harris Jr. But he also was asked about playing for the Kansas City Chiefs, which, you know, eat your heart out if you're a Broncos fan. That's the last thing you want to see happen. And he, being that he has ties to Kansas from his time in college, he said, look, I've got a following there, and, you know, they're a great team, and I don't see why that wouldn't be a fit. So just hope that the Kansas City Chiefs don't go tr- out there trying to throw max money at Chris Harris Jr. I don't think they will with the problems they have of their own, but we'll see. I mean, if they want to, if they want to overpay him $13, $15 million a year, that'd be doing the Broncos a favor, Chad. Chris Harris Jr. just changed agents. He's posturing at this point, whether he talks about coming back to Denver or going to Kansas City. He is posturing. He wants to get paid. He literally admitted this last year when the Broncos gave him a $3 million bump. He wants to be among the highest paid cornerbacks. He's not going to get that contract in Denver. It would suck if he went to the Chiefs, but if they want to overpay and ruin their cap for a cornerback who I think is past his prime now, more power to him. Our friend Trick Lessons, I might have this this service we use to stream. I'm trying to find it here. Oh, here it is. Nope, there it is. Bear with me one sec, Trick Lessons. Somehow I blazed past it. This there's so many questions and comments today. Bear with me, bro. There it is. Five dollar donation. Appreciate you, Thank my you. friend. He says, What do you think about moving bowls to guard? I actually think he's an okay lineman, just not a blindside blocker. You know, it's something that Broncos fans are going to kind of romanticize forever, I think. The idea of, you know, he's so it's such a physical and nasty player moving him inside to guard where he's not on an island as much and the kick slide and speed rushers are, aren't the same consideration. The Broncos, though, Zach, they simply just don't view him that way. In other words, 
I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to it on its phase, Zach, but the Broncos, it's not in their wheelhouse. They like him at tackle, and that's where he's going to stay. And they think his best is yet to come or whatever best he can produce under Mike Munchak. And yeah, they're going to keep him at tackle, but whether he starts next year obviously remains to be seen. He's not a guard. I don't think he would succeed there. I think some of his issues now, it's not related to the position. It's related to what he has between the years and just his technique. So um, hopefully he straightens it out. And if he could just get consistent, if he could just avoid the penalties, he can be a serviceable left tackle. And I think the Broncos in 2020 are banking on that in his second year under Mike Munchak. All right, guys, thank you so much to each and every one of you for joining us live. A few hundred people in real time on Facebook, a few hundred people in real time on YouTube, sharing your Monday evening while the national championship game is going on with us. We really appreciate it, and thanks for making it a great conversation. As always, you guys are as much a part of this show as Zach and I are ever since we took this into a live podcast. You guys are just as much a part of this as us. And we look forward to these conversations each and every day. So thank you for joining us. Special thanks also to our Super Chat superstars. You guys are the best. But, guys, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. As always, make sure you're following the show on uh, Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. It's simply the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then right there, at Kelberman NFL. Follow my partner on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Stay tuned because tomorrow, well, tomorrow's Tuesday. So if you're listening to this podcast on the RSS feed, you're going to be getting this podcast on Tuesday. Wednesday morning, you'll wake up to a fresh episode of Building the Broncos. It'll be interesting to hear what those guys have to say about the the news of this, this past weekend. And then we'll be back Wednesday night with a fresh episode of this show, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Until then, Zach, my brother, have a good start to your week. You as well. Hopefully when we return, Chad, maybe we'll be uh, McMahon will get fired. Has something more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We can't rule anything out now with Fangio that we know. Yep. Anyway, thanks again, guys, for joining us. I'm Chad Jensen for Zach Kelberman. We will talk to you on Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with True Fuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. True Fuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance, and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And True Fuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with True Fuel. Available at your local home and garden center today. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. (laughs) You love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more.